0: Hello there film friends and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm your host, Neve Bronigan, and today we'll be starting off with our usual proceedings of Jerry Maguire and I catching you up with all things going on in the world of Irish film, TV and animation. I will then be chatting to the wonderful actors that are Carolyn Bracken and Hazel Doop, which will then be followed by a chat with Jerry and the director of You Are Not My Mother, Kate Dolan. A double bill for you guys today, so enjoy. to the irish film london podcast season two i always glad that it's season two which is very cool the fact that we've done so many now we're on to season two um welcome jerry how are you
1: i'm very well Neve. thank you much better this week than i was last week i was down with the COVID last week I
0: finally got it
1: yeah it's my second time getting it actually oh.
0: i but, thought um, i was invincible i didn't get it up until a few weeks ago
1: ugh. Yeah. everyone seems to have it now everyone seems to have it but thankfully it seems to be moderately male these days
0: so yeah it's a bit That's outdated good. i feel i feel like it's like oh it's not kind of cool you know, anymore
1: it's such a 2020 thing to get
0: it man. is it really really is <laughs> but a fair bit has happened since our last podcast and um, one of which was the oscars very entertaining evening altogether. together i actually yeah. saw um chris rock did a new um he was doing a show a few days after he was always doing it i think it might All be right, maybe, yeah. maybe a tour or something and he came out and everyone was clapping and uh, he just started by saying um so how was your weekend <laughs> <laughs> and he also said which i thought was so great he was like so i had this whole show written and planned before my weekend yeah and i'm gonna do that show uh i'm not gonna talk about it because i'm still processing it uh and what did he say i think he said and when i do talk about it it's gonna be serious and funny but for the moment we're just gonna do the show which i think was really great you know okay he just yeah, went. i'm forgetting about that for the moment and um, i'm just doing so <laughs> i'm doing what you all paid tickets to see
1: yeah, fair enough. I mean, can't fault the man for that.
0: I mean, um, he handled that
1: very well. He kind of did handle the whole thing remarkably well, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I would say there is also um, a very good Saturday Night Live intro from um, a presenter called uh, Gerard. And uh, Black Guy, um, very good presenter um first time presenting saturday night live and his intro to the show starts off just saying i'm not gonna talk about it yeah i'm not gonna talk about it
2: uh, this is
1: only it's ha- a, a thing that happened five days ago and it's all anyone wants wanted to talk about still yeah you know so yeah i mean I yeah
0: exactly i don't think anything we're gonna say is is uh something things yeah. that haven't already been said so i mean i think we're no doing need. a great
1: job of talking about it without actually talking about it so, so that's right i'm quite well. impressed yeah. <laughs> <Well done laughs>
0: okay so what actually did happen and what actually really should have been talked about yeah. um is some of the incredible winners uh our best picture was coda And it Mm -hmm. was presented by Liza Minnelli and Lady Gaga, which was... That was lovely. Beautiful. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, And then Belfast won Best Original Screenplay, which is a nice little win for the Irish. Yeah.
1: Congratulations to Ken Branagh for the win. Yeah. An avid
0: listener, I'm sure. Well done, Ken. Of course. Yeah. And who else did we have? We had um, Power of the Dog won Best uh, Director. The only female yeah. in the category, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Oh, Best Supporting uh, Actress. We had uh, Anita from West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was her name? Ariana DeBoss. I hope I got that right. That was really, yeah. she speech was so gorgeous as well. And who also did a very um, beautiful speech was Jessica Chastain um as well who uh, commented on the lgbtq plus community as well in her speech um and then the best adapted screenplay that was cian header wasn't it
1: yeah is that is it sean header
0: is that it yes i think so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um really gorgeous film Coda really really gorgeous yeah um, and then, I'm so and happy to see
1: it win like I'm so happy to yeah. see a film like that which was like in lots of ways an underdog mm-hmm. to to see it um, come out on top in that category is it's really exciting and I think that's the thing is that there was actually some exciting some exciting slash interesting wins that mm-hmm. night which were a little bit overshadowed by other things taking place mm-hmm
0: yeah, and one one of which I thought was Dune. I really loved seeing that win. Yeah. Best film editing and best score because sometimes films like that, like, I mean, sometimes films like that, like Marvel films or, you know, those kind yeah. of films kind of, they just don't, you know, they're not recognised by the yeah. Academy, you know, in this kind of way. So it was kind of cool having Dune in there as one of those kind of big spectacle films like that being mm. recognised because ve- it, is, it is, it's very impressive. I mean, it it's long. But it's very impressive.
1: It's long, but it's it totally holds its runtime. Like mm. you're you're engaged all the way through. It, it's it's one of those films that, like, it takes place across three planets or something like that. But it, it's all set pieces that that keep you going throughout the action. Mm. Exactly. Whereas the film that won best international, Drive My Car, by Ryusuke Hamaguchi, like that that is a long film. That's three and a half hours long you know and that's Mm -hmm. like yeah that is a wow that's like okay okay
0: and speaking of long films did you get to see Batman in the end
1: (laughs) oh yeah I said I was gonna go and I did go and I think do you know what I watched drive my car on movie the other night um Mm -hmm. I was happy to see it on movie and uh, I've been using my movie subscription a lot recently actually um but I'd already sat and watched the Batman and it didn't drive my car didn't feel that long after watching the Batman. Um, yeah. <sighs> okay. I, I have things to say about Batman. Um, it, it's far too long mm-hmm. as a film. It's far too long. Um, but you told me before I went to see it that, that Colin Farrell was in it. And I was looking out for him. And I was looking out for um, a guy in, you know, in a nice suit or, or something that was that was really snappily dressed. And i kind of realized after a while who he was mm. in the film and i was like what yeah,
3: this so is so
1: good the thing the thing about it is there's been so much press attention on on robert pattinson and he's he's good in the film he's pretty good for for his character it's it's emo as but like i think there should have been more attention on those performances they were really really good. Those um supporting performances.
0: Agreed. I think Colin was just so good.
1: He was. He was. And I've seen the clip at the end with Barry Keoghan, and there's a mm-hmm. deleted scene you can check out as well that shows that shows that character in more detail. It's quite interesting. Um, and yeah, there's 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 so much going on with those characters under the surface. It's great. Paul Dano, actually, although he's got this habit of playing characters that are very unlikable he did play a blinder absolutely he's very
0: good there. yeah yeah okay well good i'm glad you liked it um mm. yes i liked I it.
1: it i didn't I'm, I'm not gonna say i loved it but i liked it okay
0: Um, So other exciting things. um, A thing that came out during the week that we're really looking forward to talking about and advertising for listeners, especially our creatives in Ireland who are listening, Mm. is Screen Ireland um, is welcoming. It's like a basic income scheme um, launched by the government today for artists and arts workers, which is amazing. Because I just think... For a country that's nearly built off of our artists, you know, and our, yeah. our painters and our poets and our writers and all this kind of stuff. I think we've always felt a bit like they haven't been appreciated or respected, especially, I mean, especially through mm. the pandemic. So totally. this feels like a really big win.
1: It does. Like artists and creatives and people who were in the freelance world both in the UK and in Ireland like they, they've kind of went without any formal support for about two years you know, you had to put your health at risk to make ends meet these last two years you know, whenever other people were furloughed or were staying at home or isolating or whatever, there often just wasn't a chance for people to do that people's livelihoods have changed dramatically this last two years so I think, I think the big thing that people are going to end up reflecting on with this scheme is that I think a lot of people will be asking whether it's, whether it's too late to be, to be doing this for some people but at the same time like you can't ignore the fact that a basic income scheme yeah. is, is massive Mm-hmm. It's a massive thing. This my understanding is this is a pilot scheme and only two thousand people will be selected for it once the application's open on is it April twelfth application's open?
0: Yeah, April twelfth, yeah, yeah.
1: So you have to do there's a bit of there's a basic eligibility check, but it looks like loads of people are eligible, mm-hmm. put your application in and then they randomise the selection thing and two thousand people get it and you get three hundred and twenty five euro a week mm-hmm. for a defined period of time. Like, just the fact that that exists and that the Irish government are trialing that and trialing it within the arts and culture sector. Mm-hmm. Like, that's very, very, very important. It's something and I think that we it's just, should talk about a lot, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just even recognition. Like, I remember during the, the kind of pits of the pandemic when, you know, you'd have those addresses, you know, by the Taoiseach and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That like the art sector and theaters and all that kind of stuff wasn't even mentioned. I think that was nearly more more annoying. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's actually just the acknowledgement and and the mention or whatever. So this definitely yeah. does feel like okay, maybe yeah, uh, maybe our voices were heard a little bit and uh, starting mm-hmm. to get the recognition and just kind of like the respect and stuff as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the kind of thing where <sighs> it, basic incomes it comes with, it, it, it it's an idea that's been around for a while. But the idea is that instead of having a kind of a, a welfare program like uh like a, instead of having a welfare state where the people who are the very worst off get a little bit of of a handout so to speak and it can be easily seen as a handout by some people mm. instead of that everyone who's a citizen gets a basic income, a universal basic income regardless of, of what your of what your 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 stature is in society or whatever your circumstances are. That means nobody is ever in poverty and it means that nobody can ever not afford basic services. And it means that everyone's freed up to, to do the things that they that they want to do and that they love to do. It means people have more time to spend with their families and so on. And there's been lots of criticisms of it over the years that have been completely debunked. There's lots of studies and trials that have taken place in different places that have been really successful, especially ones in, in Scandinavia and ones um, in different parts of the UK that have been trialed um, at similar scales. And it's just really the possibilities that can come out of this are very exciting absolutely it's really
0: it's really really exciting um so anything else have you been watching anything in the
1: last yes um so yeah i've been using that movie subscription quite a bit um and catching up on a lot of stuff at home especially last week when i was kind of down with the Lurgy a little bit one thing that i checked out that i think is worth mentioning to people is i've finally i've been meaning to catch up with this for a long time but i finally caught a show called hidden assets which features Angeline Ball in the lead role um, and a few other uh, festival friends. um, Mm -hmm. Aaron Monaghan's in there, um, quite a prominent role. Uh, Cool to see him in there. Hidden Assets is a TV show that takes place within uh, a thing called the Criminal Assets Bureau. Um, It's shot in Limerick in Ireland and a lot of it takes place in Antwerp in Belgium. So it's got this sort of international feel to it, which is quite nice for a... A sort of a detectivey crimey uh, kind of thing and there's lots of high-stakes stuff and I've only watched the first couple of episodes now but I'm, I'm getting really into it Amazing. Really into it, it
0: looks like a really really good production
1: it is you know yeah it's really well made the the like the, the drama in it is, is well done the it, it feels like a kind of an Irish version of a noiry like a a Scandi Noir kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe just like a wetter Lowlands, (laughs) Lowlands and Irish version of uh, of, of that kind of Noir-y thing.
0: But yeah, it's really nice. I'll definitely check it out. And is there anything going on with um, IFL at the moment? Any screenings happening?
1: Yeah, so a few things going on at our end. Um, The next thing we've got coming up is a screening of... I guess you'd call it a classic comedy now. Um, It's a film called Waking Ned or if you're in America it's known as Waking Ned Divine. So (laughs) Waking Ned's one I remember from my childhood it came out in the 90s Uh, it's the story of uh, a little island where there is a winning lotto ticket that no one has claimed and uh, the villagers find out that it was Ned's Lottery ticket And he actually The shock of Finding out that he was A lottery winner Gave him a heart attack And he died But This, <laughs> this is classic Irish response. This like Oh someone Poor Ned has died But Sure wouldn't he have wanted The whole island To share his Multi-million pound winnings So we'll pretend To be Ned Aye To claim Yeah To claim the lottery Aye. winnings And As you the want. whole drama is Them trying to pull the wool Over the, the man from the lottery To prove that someone else's net to find um, yeah it's like one of those sort of very Hollywoodized Irish comedies from that period um, but it's great crack and yeah we're screening that at the Irish Cultural Centre in Hammersmith on Tuesday the 19th of April that's on sale right now um, via the ICC website it's only a fiver for a ticket no, so, nice. come down for that. And the reason we're screening Wake and Ned is because we've got a new comedy course that we're doing at the Irish Cultural Centre. So, mm-hmm. that starts Saturday after that. Oh, nice. uh, and it's on for six Saturday mornings from 11 to 1. It's just called Irish Screen Comedy and it's run by our friend Lance Petit. It's going to be exploring Irish screen comedy through the ages, from like the 1950s studio stuff that was made at Ardmore, through to stuff like Derry Girls and more recent, more recent comedy stuff that's come out of Ireland um, since there's been a bit of a boom in production. So that's that's another thing that's happening.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Well, today I am joined um, with. Carolyn Bracken and Hazel Dupe. and um, for today's interview we chat about Kate Dolan's debut feature film which is very impressive called uh, You Are Not My Mother.
1: Indeed you are and as you caught up with Hazel and Carolyn I caught up with the film's director Kate Dolan so we're covering all bases on You Are Not My Mother this week.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, the film is about it's about a family in a North Dublin housing estate, um, and the young girl Shar, who's played by Hazel, uh, her mother goes missing, and when she returns, Shar is she's kind of determined to uncover the truth uh, of her yeah. disappearance and uh, unearth the kind of the dark secrets that surround her family, and it's a really impressive, accomplished film by kate um Mm. it's really cool it like kind of mixes irish folklore and the supernatural um which is really really cool i love seeing that in a modern way in a modern kind of urban way
2: Mm. and
0: uh it if i'm correct it is out in cinemas today in the uk so if you haven't seen it yet there's no spoilers in this but go and see it then listen to the podcast or the other way around and uh and i hope you you all enjoy it
1: nice one looking forward to hearing this one actually
0: thanks Jerry see you soon see you Niamh bye if you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discount tickets for films and events, free access to Irish film from home films, and invites to networking events, and so much more. So check it out now. Hazel and Carolyn, thank you both so much for taking the time to come on and chat to me today. I'm very privileged to meet the two of you. I adored the film, so I'm dying to dive straight in and chat about it. We were, I just want to say as well, we were supposed to have Miss Jordan Jones, but she wasn't feeling the best. So we hope she gets better very soon. And no doubt we'll be having her on at some point in the future. So, first of all, um. Yeah, I guess I just kind of want to say how impressive and accomplished the film is, especially for the director Kate's first feature. I mean, like what a brave subject matter and genre for your first feature. So I guess let's kind of go right back and chat to me about when and how You Are Not My Mother came into your lives. So Hazel, I'll start with you.
4: Um th- firstly thank you for having us on. I'm very excited. Um it came into my life when I was shooting a series down in Claire and I was house sitting for somebody at the time. Um, and it was a very dark evening and I had just come back for a nice sunset walk with the dog that I was dog sitting for as well. Um, and I remember sitting down and the fire was going and I had some tunes on, they were like the It Follows soundtrack and the, you know, those kinds of soundtracks. Um, yeah, and I'd earlier that day just got the script in and my agent said, okay, this is a cracking role. So give it a read and see what you think. Um, and yeah, he wasn't mine. It was unbelievable. And like the script was so considered and there were like virtually no jump scares. And I'm a massive fan of horror, but I'm a massive fan of like creep factor horror. Um, and yeah, I'm not so into the jump scares. So like getting a script that that I would be put forward for the lead for that was a horror film that was a creepy horror film that was Irish and that was like embedded in Celtic mythology or not Celtic mythology but like um yeah the the myths and legends that surround Ireland and that I was super into at the time was just pretty crazy and it was the perfect setting to read the script in as well
0: I was just gonna say you talk about setting the atmosphere that's amazing I love that
4: I you need like to know what the genre of the
0: script is that you're gonna read, so you can do that now yeah. for each for each script. Yeah, <laughs> next, I think next I'm... time you need to be on a beach, you know, if it's some sort <laughs> exactly.
4: of exactly, yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm so like I've been in film, and I I obviously love film with all of my heart, but I've been in it for so long that like, I think those events in my life kind of are film centric, and I try to set up my surroundings as if I were you know, in a film, I try to make it as uh, ambient as possible.
0: I oh, love that. Absolutely love that. And Carolyn, what about you then? What was your first introduction to uh, You're Not My Mother?
2: Um, I'd love to say it was similar to Hazel's. That <laughs> was a, you know, atmospheric cabin in the woods and stuff. But no, I was in the midst of the pandemic with my kids, the homeschooling and all of that kind of stuff going on. And, Scary uh, in its own way. <laughs> that was a horror movie (laughs) that was was a horror reality but uh no I love them they're they're great but I'm glad they're back um no the my agent sent me on the um script and uh yeah I just listen you know I read it I tend to if, if if you get fortunate enough to be sent a script uh within the first kind of um Uh, contact you know uh, I I tend to sit down and read it as quickly as possible and uh, yeah I just absolutely loved it Um, you know what bounced off the page was what Kate did she seemed to be so familiar with the world that she was creating and uh, just that beautiful um, you know uh, merging of you know um, mental health and Irish folklore was just absolutely beautiful it bounced off the page I loved reading it. Um, there were a couple of scenes that I went back and read again, just going, how on earth are they going to do this? And uh yeah, but I, I kept emotionally a little, a little bit uh detached for a while because when you you kind of you kind of have to operate as if it's yours, but compartmentalize it to uh until you know you get the audition and you get the uh the the green light. So yeah, I connected to it very, very quickly and especially to the role um of Angela. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't until we got until I got the green flag after doing a little chemistry test with uh, with Hazel that um, I was able to get really excited about. Yeah.
0: That is quite um, it's quite an impressive thing that actors have to do that. I don't think, you know, people who aren't in the industry really understand that, like sometimes you know when you are going for auditions or you get sent a script or you get through a few different rounds and callbacks and that kind of stuff you know the the hope is just get, is just is growing larger and larger and you're getting more and more attached to the project but you always really do have to keep that uh, kind of little wall up as well before because it could just you know you, you gotta you gotta look after yourself as well you know to be because the industry is obviously about like You know rejection and disappointment and all that kind of stuff so it's really great that you obviously you had this good feeling but you know you kind of you still had that little wall up but then obviously when you got the green flag i imagine it was just such a so satisfying of like okay here we go you know because you had felt it so early on of like yeah i can see myself in this you know
2: yeah yeah and i think as well it's it's a you know if you're going to do a good self-tape or audition you have to you have to operate as if the role is yours and then very quickly just let it go afterwards and just, you know, it's out of your control. Then you just have to kind of hand it over and hope for the best. So luckily enough, this was one one time that it did uh, that it did work out. So
0: Exactly. And um, what was your I guess I'm just so interested in both of yours, but particularly yours, Carolyn. What was your um, kind of process in creating Angela and like what was your kind of approach and and prep and stuff like that was it? did you kind of go off and do a lot of your own work and then kind of come to Kate with that or was it um kind of a a a thing that you all kind of worked on together
2: yeah it was very like it was very collaborative you know Uh, you know the script alone like Kate wrote a wonderful script and fairly fleshed out characters do you know what I mean so there was a lot to refer to there and uh you know we were in a pandemic so we couldn't really we couldn't meet in person at all we just kind of had to do it over zoom and stuff so um there were a lot of conversations uh you know uh Kate would send me a little bit of source material of things that inspired her around the character we had some very candid conversations just about the nature of, of who Angela is um and to be honest with you like for, for, for lack of a better word, I suppose, the process for me is just to sit and think a lot and draw from um, the spectrum of human behavior that I've experienced, you know what I mean? Um, I would, you know, I think any woman um, at the age of 39 who is a mother um, uh, would be able to relate to Angela very well. And uh, then when it comes to the more ambiguous part of who she is uh, or who, what she becomes, um that was, you know, Kate was very good at at steering me in the right direction there. And uh, yeah, like there's that, you know, malevolence in all of us there somewhere. So, uh, you know, the potential for it is always there within you. So just being able to tap into that was, a, was pretty cool, I have to say, <laughs> because you have to be very, you know, you have to be behaved in real life. Um, and it's the wonderful thing about being an actor. Uh, somebody gives you the green light to go, you can be as malevolent as you want. And you just kind of go. But keeping in mind, you know, the uh, the mental health aspect of it as well. And for it to be as sympathetic and respectful as possible, you know?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Definitely. And Hazel, I really love that the film is from your character, Shara's point of view, in like we have that sense of a coming of age. And in that coming of age, sometimes we learn that eventually you know, learning that your parents aren't always this perf these perfect, flawless figures in your life, which in itself is is quite scary. You know, it can be quite scary to see a parent who's quite ill and um, or, you know, when their flaws kind of come to the surface, um, especially having always been maybe a sturdy figure in our lives. So what was that kind of the initial foundations of the fear um, that you wanted to draw on for for sure? What was what was that like exploring that?
4: Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think you hit that on the head there. Cause um, Kate and I talked a lot about family and how like there's one line in the script, um, Jordan, if she was here, she'd be able to quote it, but I'll quote it for her. It's, we're having a conversation Shar and Suzanne and she says, family is the scariest fucking thing on the planet. And it is to a certain extent because it reflects things that you don't want to see about yourself. Um, you don't really when you're growing up want to be like your parents and um, you just kind of want them to be as perfect as possible and um, I think yeah I think I yeah I have a lot to draw from as well in that regard like uh, as as does everybody we've all had I mean if, if we're lucky enough we've all had parents at, at one point or another um, and different experiences with them and different experiences with family and Loss and uh, losing yourself at a certain age, um, and having to navigate the world without your parents, and um, or without like their, um, their safety net, as Char does, have to do, and um, it's really scary. And uh, yeah, I think that's where a lot of the fear came from. And yeah, that's that's mainly where I drew it from. It was definitely yeah, you hit that on the head, Danny.
0: I think that I always I will always remember the day um, I have an older brother and I remember my mom one day saying to him when I was really, really young, there's quite an age difference. I remember her saying, you know, I've never done this before. And I always remember going, oh, yeah, you know, because you just kind of always expect, Caroline, I'm sure you'll appreciate that as well. You know, you always just kind of assume your parents have always been parents you know there definitely gets to that point in your life where you realize oh no they were people like before you existed you know in yeah. their own right yeah. and I think that's a really important uh thing to learn as you grow up and you can definitely see that Char is going through this in a different way um mm-hmm. and Carolyn your performance as Angela is it's so impressive I mean emotionally and physically as well um But did you find it hard to kind of tap in and out of of someone who's who's quite ill in a way? And I guess then as well, we can kind of chat about the comment about mental health in the film. And I think it's dealt with in such a really it's in a really great way, you know, because the monster can is that kind of representing of of mental illness. But it's also so much more than that, which I think is very important that the film does um so yeah what did you find it hard kind of tapping in and that in and out of that were you able to kind of leave it and then go home and you know
2: yeah like I think maybe with the time you or not my mother came around tapping into that was not all that difficult um you know we were in the midst of a pandemic times were tough um and you know, I think Hazel, I don't you, you probably um felt the same thing. Everybody was just so grateful to be working. You know what I mean? So um the atmosphere and the set was really, really nice. So kind of tapping into the lighter parts of, of Angela wasn't, you know, it wasn't too difficult. And then, you know, when you're possibly not in the best mental health of your life either, um, tapping into the darker side of it was just a little bit more accessible. Um and I found that just being able to get such a wide berth from Kate as well. Do you know what I mean? We'd have conversations and I'd be like, how far can I take this? And she was like, as far as you want. You know what I mean? So there was quite a wide berth there in what I could do. And, um, you know, it's obviously a type of performance that that I really enjoy. I like it, you know, That it was a challenge, you know. I didn't find there was probably maybe a little bit of... Um, trepidation around one particular scene you know just the hope to get it right and the you know the the you know the not pressure from anybody else just my own internal you know uh pressure just to get it right but other than that um it was just every second of it I loved hard light heavy dark you know um give me another role like that again and I'll be (laughs) done (laughs)
0: I imagine quite cathartic in a a way, you know, that kind of coming out of the pandemic and and uh, and like, as you said, dealing with all of those kind of different emotions and our own mental health and and that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, just being able to have the permission to let loose. And uh, I imagine it was very cathartic.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. In the best way possible, because we're all doing what we love. Like, you know, there was no guarantees like we were in the second lockdown the first lockdown absolutely nothing was going on in terms of shooting you know there was online virtual but there was nothing you know so when you know being given the green light to actually shoot something i think everybody was just really really grateful to be there so everybody just wanted to put their best foot forward and do a really good job and i think that's the the movie that that was eventually realized you know
0: yeah and i think with the 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 subject matter of the film as you touched on there like Because the subject matter of the film can be, I imagine, quite heavy. It is so important to have that light kind of um, nice feeling then on set with your crew and and your other cast members and stuff like that. And Hazel, what was it like? When did you first see Carolyn when all of when she was in Um, As Angela with all of her makeup, and because I do just want to comment on that, especially for the makeup artists, like it was incredible, you know, without the use of CGI or special effects or anything like that. And it was, but it was also still quite understated in that, like it was really believable as well, but it was horrific. (laughs) What was it like seeing her in that for the first time? What it was like
4: seeing her was, I just felt like I just stepped into like an alternate universe. It was really, really weird. And Carolyn was this like, Uh, it it was like she was there but wasn't really there it was very very odd and she was walking around she'll tell you this herself but she was walking around as if like she didn't have any of this makeup on and everyone was just looking at her like "Ugh." (laughs) she was like what do you mean guys (laughs) Um, but yeah uh, the one thing that actually got me that like made me physically like recoil was when I had to hug you Carolyn um, inside the bonfire structure and you had she had all these like um welts and boils all over her like chest and arms and uh, oh my god feeling those boils against my skin is the one thing I don't think I'll ever want to do again
2: (laughs) um I I just remembered the makeup test um the first time that you would have seen it when uh, Madonna and Roisin the makeup artist they did an amazing job but I went for a makeup test one day and I had a lot of it on so I looked horrendous (laughs) And Hazel came in and she was like, oh, hey. And I was like, come on, sit down and we have some girl talk. I just had a flashback of that there. It was so, it was, it was hilarious. But yeah, a lot of the time, like particularly the bonfire scene, I just forgot it was on. And then I get these responses, these physical responses from people looking at me really uncomfortably. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I look like hell. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my god well it was amazing it really really was and it really kind of just elevated it just to the next level then it was fantastic so what was it like then working with Kate as a director in the sense that you know I can only imagine that there had to be so much trust built in a story that's so steeped in kind of supernatural themes you know for it to flow and work and and be believed in because a lot of stuff you know the the f- films sometimes really come to life you know in the post with the score and you know any kind of extra things that needed to be added in so yeah what was it like kind of uh working with Kate as a director Hazel
4: um it was great I mean from start to finish it was it was very much smooth sailing well I had a week where the very first week I was quite unsure and I, it was my first role where I was playing the lead away from all my family because my mom used to come on set with me. So I just kind of turned 18. So this was my first like lead role and it was quite a dark script as well. So, um, but my character too was just uh, very like, not standoffish, but like you can tell by her, she's got a lot of things going on internally. And sometimes I was kind of like, am I showing those things like, I know I want to be understated about it, but like, can you even see anything? And um, so yeah, I was very unsure. And then Kate had it. Kate sat me down and was like, "What's going on?" And um, one of the days when I was really unsure, and she kind of said to me like, "Hazel, we're both we're both doing something then that we we don't like. We've never done this before. So why don't we just like go for it and see how it is?" She was like, "It's just a movie at the end of the day." <laughs> um, so it's not life or death, like we can just see what happens. Um, But also Kate had such, uh, like she had such vast understanding of her own script, which is very rare and very precious for like, f- well, for a first time director, firstly. And then for the actor, it's just so helpful to have somebody who knows what they want and it's cemented in their own brains that you have to, you don't even like, Kate just had to tell us what she wanted. And then it was like, that then from then on it was easy ish you know obviously you still have the complications but yeah when a director knows what they want it's like
0: yeah because so it's so important to feel safe you know Mm -hmm. in in uh unlike that if you're ever second guessing yourself or anything like that to have Mm -hmm. that kind of support and and for them to recognize it you know the way like like you were saying she sat down with you and was like what's going on as opposed to you having to like she was aware enough to uh to to kind of see that there was uh there was something not clicking and then
2: you guys worked through it
0: that's really lovely to hear and what about you carolyn
2: very similar to what um to what hazel said she's she's a very she's quite an incredible person um do you know what i mean uh she for somebody it was her first feature directing and writing and it just seemed to just come so naturally to her there was never any Point where there was any feelings of unsafety, and and just you know from what Hazel said there, she knew that script really well. So working in the supernatural and working in um, the Irish folklore, and and it was just in the tapestry of the script, like so in terms of performing it and stuff, you know, she made that really easy. She was extremely collaborative as well. Do you know what I mean? She wanted. Um, she wanted, She it wasn't creative control that she was looking for. She was looking for input, you know what I mean? What do you think? You know, there was there was definitely um, a lot of collaboration. And she's got a really good sense of humour as well. She's really funny, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So throwing a bit of humour and not taking it all so seriously, even though it has to be, it's kind of like a paradox, you know, you kind of, you know, it's, or it's contradictory. Um, you know, you have to take it very seriously, but you also have to have a bit of a laugh at the same time. And we were able to do that. Like, I don't know, like, I think it's supposed to be quite common on horror sets that the atmosphere generally when you're a yell cut, it's really light and it's a lot of fun. And uh, Kate, from the top down, that's kind of, that was my experience of her as a director. Extremely approachable, really funny, really smart. Yeah. Safe hands the whole time, you know.
3: I
0: was so excited to see what more she does as well. I just know it's going to be very, very exciting. We briefly touched on it there. Like I adore the Irish. I'm a big horror fan myself, but I adore the Irish folklore aspect of the film and the fact that it's set at Halloween, because I don't know if a lot of people actually know that Halloween originated in Ireland as the Celtic Festival of Samhain. And I love the blending of Irish folklore in the urban modern setting of Dublin. And um, it definitely reminded me of films like Candyman, you know, the kind of folklore aspect and then The Exorcist in regards to building that realistic kind of family unit for audiences. And then Rosemary's Baby in the sense of like the point of view of Shar and stuff like that. So you've got a pretty great mix of the greats in there that you do really feel, um, you know, throughout. Uh, so do either of you have any favorite horror films or maybe do you even like her? I know some actors love acting in them but then they just can't watch them but what about you guys do you guys have any uh, horror faves
2: um I love horror from a very uneducated standpoint if you know what I mean um I when I was a kid it was my favorite genre I was I've, I've read every Stephen King book more than once um I would seek out um movies to fear that would that would instill that just that fear and that anticipation and that sense of um uh feeling unsettled you know i loved it um and i still do i think i just distanced myself from it a little bit uh in in the last so any kind of horrors that i watch are those really obvious ones that are big block but you know what i mean um i don't go sifting like when you hear kate talking about horror like she knows it all she's just got such a, a brilliant brain when it comes to horror so i'd be i'd be uh I'd, it'd be false advertising if i was to go i know them all but you know horrors. when i was growing up god what would it have been um oh my god uh when i was growing up do you know what keeps coming into my head and i know it, it doesn't fall into the genre of horror it was the silence of the lands i found it terrifying but I it know, is it because, for sure. yeah um, such a for her. and then you know in in recent times i do love the 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 merging of some sort of metaphor and mental health so i love the babadook mm. i know you know what i mean those yeah. types of ones that kind of go into that um into that merging and i really liked it follows as well i remember Mm -hmm. there was some random one back in the 90s called white noise that terrified the life out of me and i think it had michael keaton in it or something like that and it's probably real schlocky but i i really really liked it so yeah it's hard to name one but um yeah
0: and hazel what about you
4: um carolyn's down mine at the last second there it's like (laughs) it follows uh for sure and um Probably the wailing as well. I love that film, um, and then one cut of the dead. For some reason, I know it's a, I know it's a, a, you know, a farce of a film, but it's so good. I would recommend that to anybody who wants a good time. Um, yeah, it's a great film. But I think as
0: well with horror films, like I think it's very hard to make uh, that's why I said at the beginning you know I found this so brave of Kate to do because it's quite hard to do one that feels like we just haven't seen it before you know Mm -hmm. yeah it kind of feels like what else can we do you know like you were saying earlier you know jumps you can kind of only watch a certain amount of jump scares and then it just Mm kind of doesn't really work anymore or you just get so used to them you're expecting them or you you know whatever and I just really think that you're not my mother is so fresh in that sense of you don't you don't technically see that much, which I always think is very important in horror films that you don't see too much. You know, so it's kind of all about how you're perceiving it yourself as uh, as audience members. And um, but one thing that really stood out to me um, was the storyline of uh, Jordan's character and the bullies in the film. And um, Hazel, what was it like kind of shooting that aspect of the film? Because sometimes I always think people who don't know when they're taking it too far can be the scariest sometimes and also sometimes I think when people say bullies you know they think of someone just kind of bashing into you in school when actually it can be so much worse than that as a young adult so what was that uh, aspect of the film like for you
4: um well luckily yeah I feel very privileged to have been in position when i was younger that i was kind of just doing what i wanted to do and i wasn't getting any shit for it like um and i never experienced bullying to that extent or at all really um yeah i was very privileged so like but i knew i had seen it around and i'd seen it in a place that was like that was pretty tame so i knew how far bullying could go um if you're outside the limits um and yeah, it didn't seem that far fetched to have someone who's just a bit off the rocker looking for um a bit of, you know, violent excitement in their life. Um, and the way Suzanne's character navigates that so well, it's like she knows when someone's just taking it a little bit. Like, well, <laughs> in fairness, the whole t- the whole time she's taking it too far. But um, at least Suzanne has the self-awareness to switch over when and um, when something strikes a chord with her and I think that changes Suzanne's character a lot I loved Suzanne's character from the very beginning mm. when I read that script um, but yeah it was a weird one it was it was a weird one to to kind of bring to to the screen something that I feel like a lot of people won't necessarily believe outside of Ireland because um, I was I was talking to somebody who's from America a couple of days ago and they were like is that what like is that what Irish bullies really are like (laughs) and we were just like uh yeah yeah sometimes it is like um so yeah I mean it takes a little bit of time to to understand the gravity of um like how far things can go um so once you've got that understanding and once I talked to Kate a bit about it and I was like okay so this person is actually going to go for this and she was like yeah yeah that that's the aim um You just accept it and you're like, yeah, that actually does seem a little bit plausible.
0: Yeah, I think Jordan, like exactly what you said, Jordan's character. And she just did such a great job of her progression as a character. You know, it wasn't just like, you know, now I'm a different person. You know, she still had that. Mm -hmm. She's still the same person, but like that, her perspective and kind of. oh no, actually, that's not right, which is also Mm -hmm. another massive thing in a coming of age thing of getting to that point of going, standing up for yourself and for others. Which is quite hard when you're at that age you know it's hard to mm-hmm. to find your own voice and so I really love that that kind of was it was an underlying thing there that uh her character kind of started to find her own voice and stick up for herself and other people as well um and uh, like because you had to do that like your character Shar, she didn't have that much dialogue so you kind of you briefly touched on it earlier when you were saying um when you were kind of thinking oh god am I getting across what I want to but you really did you really did such a beautiful job um but what was it like kind of was that quite new for you to have uh, a performance in front of you that had to be quite insular and kind of um visible as opposed to you know there was kind of nothing for you to hide behind in a way
4: yeah exactly yeah that's it like there was no I've done characters like that before and actually that's kind of what my Career thus far has been based off of is a uh, very introverted, well, not introverted, but um, introspective characters that uh, think a lot and don't say too much, and um, I love playing those kinds of people, um, and this was just taking it to the next level, um, because she really doesn't have that much dialogue at all, and most of it is, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, mom?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I I did have to like really adjust even though I'd done so many characters like that before I had to adjust to um everything being in the face and especially when you're scared like when you're not being physically scared by something around you and you have to muster up the fear from somewhere and um, it's it's difficult enough so um yeah there were days where like you'd have to you'd have to be upset about something, what you'd have to be upset about it for hours, or you'd have to be scared by something. You'd have to be scared for like you'd have to keep that going for a long time. Um so yeah, I don't know, I don't even know how I how I kept it going, but I just when you've got a job to do and it's in front of you and it's like the most precious thing to you at that time of your life. And it's the one thing you've wanted for like years, the thing of your career has it's like happening now. I don't know, something in you just clicks and you just, you want it more than anything.
0: Absolutely. Um, You you did such a fantastic job of it. You really did. I like that, what you were saying about kind of, oh God, can I do this? What for the both of you, what did you learn? Because as an actor, like, you know, each project that you do you learn something from it and you kind of bring it on to the next and, and your skills skill sets and your you know your toolbox is growing all the time what did you learn on this film as an actor that uh that you think you're going to bring into other projects in the future carolyn
2: wow um that's a that's a great question um mm-hmm. because for me it was my first um kind of supporting lead in a feature do you know what i mean so there were a lot of firsts for me, um, on that shoot, I, you know, a huge amount of where I am now is what I learned from, from that. Um, I think, uh, you know, God, I don't even know where to start. Um, I think I trust myself a little bit more, um, as an actor now, um, Hard to tell in the early days, and you know when the work is few and far between. And you know, what, you know, are are you are you heading in the right direction? Are you um, mastering the craft in in in, in the, Are you mastering the craft basically? And um, you know that really helped just that intense burst of 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 five to six weeks shooting and been able to live in in a character uh, like this woman. And and realizing it, and um, you know that to me it just, you know, just a little bit of a kind of a a, a box ticked of okay, I can, you know I can do this. I am heading in the right direction, um, and just the absolute uh, joy um, of 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 being in a in a job like this. You know what I mean? I I I, it, it, I think it just reaffirmed that uh, that I'm exactly where I need to be, and uh, and it's an industry that I absolutely love um I don't even know if that answers the question like there's a huge amount learned uh but just being able to nail it down to one thing is uh is a little bit difficult but just definitely like I absolutely adore uh the job that um that I get to do um so it really kind of reaffirmed that because sometimes you can have the odd doubt here and there kind of go god I haven't worked in 18 months
0: it's really important to yeah to to remember oh yeah this is why I do it you know all those times when you're not working or when things are quiet or when you kind of maybe do a job that you don't you know don't have a lot of grow for or you know and then you'd get something like this and you go oh yeah you know this is why all of those other jobs or all those other times not working this is this is uh this is why i do it because i know some days you are like what am i doing <laughs> what am i doing with my life so that's really nice yeah to to remember that feeling and then because it does it can propel you on then to and get that motivation kind of going again because it's hard to keep it lit all all the time you know and hazel what about you
4: um i think this has challenged me to, to not take myself so seriously um, and to not like, to just have a bit more fun on set. Like I, I loved having fun on set, but like when I was younger from, like I started acting at the age of nine and like that was, that was my spree time. Like I absolutely loved being on set. And I was like, I would say to my mom after the end of a day of shooting, I'd be like, oh my God, I get to do this all again tomorrow? what do you mean <laughs> it was such a good time and then somewhere along the line I decided that I needed to start being more serious about it and taking myself and the craft it more seriously do you know what I mean um and yeah this job we're getting to work with Carolyn, Jordan, Kate um, and all the wonderful men and women that were on the casting crew um kind of yeah just really showed me like you actually just don't have to you don't have to be so serious all the time and you can give out a good performance and make really good connections with people and just love your life while you're doing it because it's like if you're if you're living your life to do these jobs for like a month or two months out of the year that you're getting to work why wouldn't you just like throw yourself in and let all your inhibitions go and just give yourself to it and not yeah yeah not just pretend that you're like this you know big child who has to sit in the room and listen to music until you're ready to come out and do your do your stuff but uh yeah I think that's what I'll take with me to the to the end of time because yeah getting to work on this and getting to not take myself so seriously was pretty crazy and like amongst all of what was going on like it was a really intense horror film um, and and yeah, learning that you don't have to do that is is a really valuable piece of that kit for my next couple of years of work.
0: That's fantastic. I think what I've both taken from um your guys's point there is just trust in yourself because yeah. like that you know with the with the industry like that with the. You know the disappointment and all that kind of stuff just trust yourself and like that yeah enjoy it because it goes so quick and and then it could be a big gap and then yeah so that's that's really really lovely to hear well ladies thank you both so much for coming on to chat to me it's been such a pleasure and here at Irish Film London we wish you both the best with all of your future successes no doubt we'll have you both on uh here again very soon and uh yeah we hope to see you very soon so thanks
4: so much ladies
1: so kate dolan thank you so much for joining me it's really great to talk to you about your brilliant new film you are not my mother um i wanted to start by asking you about the look and the tone and style of the film um like how did how did you come up with the, the the visual style that you wanted to create with this
3: um yeah I think you know I think from the like on the page it was always gonna be quite a tense film and you know um I suppose kind of more dark in tone and just more sinister and so you know I was kind of the idea was always based around Char and the, you know, the protagonist of the film, and and that she's like this young person coming of age in a, in a family where she doesn't really feel safe or supported. Mm. And you know, you kind of, when a parent is unwell or they're kind of, um, you know, in that way that that the the house can feel quite claustrophobic and it can feel very uh, oppressive as an atmosphere. So, you know, we kind of tried to do that as much as possible in the style, I suppose, that it, the style was really based around Char's POV of that world. And, and and so the visual language was very much based on kind of putting the audience in her shoes as much as possible. So, you know, we have a lot of shots that are very close on her. So you feel kind of like, you feel that that world pressing in on her as if you are her and and that the, the house then you know, there's pockets of shadow everywhere. The shadows are kind of closing in all the time, even in the daylight scenes, that they feel oppressive and it doesn't feel like a kind of a happy place to be. Um, but, you know, not sacrificing kind of colour and, and, you know, making sure we still had rich colour palette in there so that it doesn't feel too drabby there and, and that mm-hmm. got, like, rich earthy tones and that kind of thing. The pagan kind of ideas within as well, like the fire and the water and earth and, like, and that kind of you know symbolism was a guide with the color palette as well with the production designer so that was kind of Mm -hmm. part of it too but yeah it was you know we kind of sometimes there would be a shot that Narian would offer up and he'd be like what about this shot and I would say it's a beautiful shot but like it takes you out of the kind of perspective of Char so we kind of just stuck with her as much as possible.
1: Wow okay well I mean it definitely feels like a film that focuses on on Char's perspective of, of going through all these crazy things. Um, I, I suppose I wanted to ask you about working with this brilliant cast. Um, so we've already spoke to Hazel Dupe and Carolyn Bracken earlier this week, and they've obviously talked about how they've worked with you and and the process that, that from their perspective, Carolyn's especially talked about how you allowed them as cast members to have quite a significant range in terms of exploring their characters on screen um but obviously it it being a first feature film it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a journey to go on altogether. um did you have a particular approach to how you wanted to to work with the cast
3: um i think you know with like when you're working with actors um as a director I think you kind of really need to feel out what each actor how they like to work so you know I always like to ask people that first off whenever I meet them or get to talk to them like how do you like to work do you like to rehearse a lot or do you prefer to do it this way or that way and I think immediately when I started out the conversations with them asking that I remember I think even Hazel maybe was like I can't remember who it was but I remember one of them said oh I've never been asked that before (laughs) and I was like that's so bizarre that like a director wouldn't ask how you like to work to get a good sense of like how you can work together um, and yeah. so yeah I think it was always very like a kind of collaborative process in that way from the very get-go and then when there was an open dialogue like that if they said you know like oh well what should I I kind of think it should be this way and I would have you know if it wasn't right I would say well n- no because of this or that you know once you have a kind of a like a strong idea of, I suppose, the characters and how you want them to appear on screen. I think it's quite easy then to answer the questions of the actors in that way. But Mm. yeah, I think I'm always, like, I don't like, I'm not the kind of director, I think, who has strict storyboards where you basically are kind of just placing the actor. I mean, like, walk from here to here and it has to be exactly this line because that's what the shot is. I like to kind of let them move around and, and make, you know, the space their own. Like with the dance scene with Carolyn, like, I kind of just let her create that with a little bit of guidance. And then we meet in rehearsals. We brought, I I brought Hazel and Carolyn into the house location that we had secured and Carolyn just kind of showed me what she was trying in the space. And then I just kind of guided her. And I was like, well, the camera might find it hard to get you if you go here. So just maybe avoid this or play with the levels here. So it was like Mm -hmm. really collaborative in that way, which I think, you know, it builds up a lot of trust so then you kind of feel like you can kind of it's really nice to work together you don't feel like you're kind of dictating to anybody
1: yeah yeah I mean does that openness and that sort of I guess flexibility do you think that adds to a more creative process on set then
3: yeah and I think just a nicer atmosphere because I think the film is quite heavy and dark do you know what I mean so I think yeah the you you know I, I didn't want the atmosphere on set to feel like that in between the takes or setups. Do you know what I mean? That you kind yeah. of, I feel like there was a good atmosphere that they felt they could kind of laugh and have fun. And like, you know, we all felt really prepared. So I don't think there was any kind of surprises in terms of, oh, well this isn't how I thought this scene was going to be. Like we all kind of uh-huh. knew what we were expecting. So then, uh, yeah, the atmosphere and the flexibility on set was, you know, really nice
1: cool cool I mean, it's definitely it definitely shows that there's a good relationship in terms of the performances that you've been able to get out of it uh, of but I want to also <laughs> ask you <laughs> I want to also ask you about um the process of getting the film itself made so mm-hmm. for, first time feature which uh, you know I know I've mentioned it a lot but like it's really it's a really great piece of work and it's really a good testament to your to your talent kid, for a debut feature to be as strong as this but, but you're also the writer on the project you're the writer director and I think that there's a particular journey that writer directors go on to to get their their film made because you're you're kind of more you're much more invested in it from an, an earlier point so mm. Yeah, like what was what was that journey like? What was the process of getting it from, from script to, to being in the can? I guess.
3: Yeah, well, it was kind of a not, It was kind of um, an interesting process. It was probably a bit different than it would be normally because it was done through this Green Ireland scheme called um, POV. So it was mm-hmm. to get female writer directors or, or just directors and writers separately as well to get to that first feature level. Um, so it was quite an expedited process in that I had a rough idea, it was like one page maybe. And then we heard this scheme was coming up, this producer that I wanted to work with because they, they kind of, D Levens who works with fantastic films, they do a lot of horror. And uh, it just came along and we had like three, two, two, three weeks till the deadline. And I was like, I have this one page idea I think could work for it because it's very contained because the budget was going to be 400K and d wow. said, "Let's put it in." so then I did like a ten page treatment in that in the like couple of weeks into the lead in of the deadline and um we got it, and then the writing process was quite fast as well, you know it was kind of like a year and a half to two years, maybe mm-hmm. like writing the script maybe it was a year and a half actually, it was quite quick and um <clears throat> you know, so we had a script editor in that process, the screenwriter provided, and they gave us notes and that kind of stuff. So it was like an expediated development process that you'd normally go through. Um, So, you know, as a writer and a director, I think it was great. It was kind of a gift in a way that you didn't have a lot of time to overthink things, which sometimes Mm -hmm. can like kill you in terms of like, you know, waiting for it to be perfect to kind of make it. Um, So in that way it was really good. And then yeah you know you had those budgetary parameters so you always knew that they were going to be there so that kind of yeah was a gift in a way to give you like well you know we're not going to be able to do this so we're just going to have to make this simpler you know we're not going to have this kind of equipment so it, it will have to be more like this so you know sometimes that can help you just yeah not kind of be bogged down by yeah decision making if you kind of a lot of the decisions are made for you
1: sort of less is more kind of approach, really, isn't yes. it? Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And then um shooting the film, like how did that go? Um because you shot it um you shot it in late 2020, am I right? Or was it Yeah, 2021? November,
3: November 2020, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. That must have it been was, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like it was it was really funny actually because it was uh, obviously the film set a Halloween. So um. our plan was always to shoot B roll on actual Halloween night. And then our shoot started on the second of November. So and then we were gonna be into like a four week shoot or whatever. And uh the like then the week before the government was like, "Here, everyone's being put in second lockdown, Halloween's cancelled. So like we had to just <laughs> cancel shooting B roll on Halloween because there was no trick or treating, there's well, no yeah. B around. Yeah. So it was like it was kind of a weird way to start the film but I think you know people in filmmaking like you know filmmakers and people who work on film are really um pragmatic and and are very good at problem solving and are very creative so I think you know it was a little bit unsettling to make your first film in that in that kind of space but I think you know everyone just gets on with it and gets used to it and then you kind of are being tested twice a week and then you just go and you do the things and And it was funny there was only kind of one big scene with a lot of extras that i was really worried about which was the halloween night where she's walking down the street and i was like we had a production meeting about it and i was like look if if we get on set and it's like 10 people i don't know what i'm gonna do with that like how is that gonna how's that gonna work Mm -hmm. and they um so the second id he was a real um hero of the day he basically went to the neighborhood we were gonna film in drop leaflets into all the families on that street and uh basically being like did your kids miss halloween well we're doing a fake halloween for this movie do you want to come <laughs> and then literally we turned up that day and then there was about 150 kids in full <laughs> full halloween costume like no met, like Brilliant. they were they went all out they're obviously like getting ready all day and uh I was like this is great so that but then like the producer was like really stressed because she was like I hope they don't like nobody calls the guards thanks for having like a huge celebration or something oh god yeah (laughs) yeah so that was kind of stressful but um no it's brilliant it was like so you know we kind of got that was a really kind of lucky lucky day for us that it didn't kind of impact us in that way but I think other than that you know it was all very contained so it didn't really affect us too much
1: good 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 oh she's out. The, the process even of like putting a schedule together during covid lockdowns and stuff is just like makes my makes my producer brain explode a bit so fair play <laughs> fair play to them all um, yeah yeah and then i suppose the next stage after that you know once you once you got it in the can um what kind of journey was it to get it here onto the screen
3: yeah you know it was um it was fairly straightforward because like you know again with the budgetary constraints you you don't really have a lot of room to do reshoots or you know change a lot of things so you Mm -hmm. know what you see there is really what was on the page um and i did a lot of editing in the script stage in terms of you know the script was like 106 pages and then in prep because the first idea was like we we won't be able to shoot 106 pages in the time we had. um so I cut it down, that it was 96 pages when we shot it. And what you see is really what was on the page. You know what I mean? Like we did yeah. really have a lot of wiggle room in terms of what we could do. So we just really kind of prepped as much as possible. So the edit was, it felt quite streamlined. And it was really mm-hmm. nice editing process because actually um, I edit, the editor was one of my best friends since I've been 18. So he, you know, we were in film school together, and he's, um, you know, he's. We always watch horror movies together, and you know, we're like you see each other almost every other day. So it was kind of working on editing the film with him was really a lovely experience because you know it was kind of editing with your best friend, so it didn't feel too daunting. And because of COVID, we edited it in his house, which is just up the road from mine, with a big TV uh, screen yeah. he has in his office and stuff. So it felt very at home and like. It wasn't too daunting it kind of just felt like hanging out with your friends and kind of figuring things out so um that was great and then yeah it was just kind of we had a, a kind of 10 week edit and then maybe that was a bit longer in the end and then we obviously did post and outer limits so we did the grade there and the post sound and the composer d and had done a lot of musical work in prep so it was really great because then we kind of honed that to be as best as it could in the post process and then yeah we just um submitted it to TIFF and we got into Midnight Madness which was kind of crazy and an amazing experience so you know that was kind of our goal was to get Midnight Madness at TIFF and we were kind of holding our hope and yeah because we finished all the posts on the film in July 2021 and then um then yeah Midnight Madness was in September so it was like wow bad. yeah it was pretty kind of, tight yeah I mean like it wasn't too it was like it, was, it wasn't too bad we had sent them like a whip <laughs> and then we like sent them the updated one when we were finally finished but it was like yeah it was. it was um yeah kind of a dream it was just like amazing
1: great yeah and congratulations then on your your nominations at Dublin Film Festival this year and your your nominations at uh, the Iftas this year, and like it's it's already a well a well um, trailed film before before its imminent release. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it must be it must be just as busy a period for you now in the release, I guess.
3: Yeah, it's actually a whole new world which I'm getting used <laughs> to because I think you know I love like just like yeah I've made the film and now I go and do the next thing, but then yeah. you have to kind of revisit it and you know talk to people about it and and do interviews and that kind of stuff and press and festivals and releases and and it's yeah that's a whole new skill set that you could kind of have to learn which is quite um I'm going like no I'm just gonna I'm going back to do my next thing <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: and do you think from this whole process i mean your debut feature must be a sort of a trial by fire thing in lots of ways but are there big lessons that you've learned from the process that you think you'll take into future projects
3: um yeah i think you learned so much i think working with the actors taught me a lot about kind of how to get how to collaborate with people and you know get what you need from an actor and and yeah i think you know as well Definitely lots of practical things I learned about like fire and setting people on fire and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, as well, like just to kind of simplify things sometimes and like not overthink how you're doing things and like that process of how the film mm-hmm. was made because we didn't, ha- we kind of had all these parameters. It kind of taught me that like, yeah, you know, it things don't need to be perfect and amazing. And exactly this thing that you want sometimes just making the compromise it will still be as effective um, so not to kind of stress about that I think you know there's so much pressure over like making an amazing debut as a filmmaker nowadays and it's like I think yeah doing this taught me like just make things and just try and make them as earnestly as you can with people who are really good at their job and like that will mm. just you know the, that will come through in what you're making hopefully
1: that's a good philosophy to take through, I think, is to just make things earnestly and just just make things in general. Yeah. It's good advice, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. I think mean, don't be sitting around waiting, just like make things. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's the what's next for you, Kate? Like what's the next thing that you're gonna make? Are you gonna stay within the horror genre? Is that your your space or do you or do you think you'll go somewhere else?
3: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the horror genre. I'm like I've always been a horror fan since I was a kid, and and you know reading Stephen King and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a genre I feel very comfortable in because I know it so well, and I know the I know the conventions of the genre, and so I feel very comfortable in it. I know I've such a you know library of films that I've seen, so it kind of you can always yeah. draw from that. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the horror space, and I think horror is really creative space to be as a filmmaker and you can really um you know let your imagination run wild and you can take very abstract ideas and you can make them turn them definitely. into a monster or you can turn them into a ghost or whatever mm. it is and and capture fears that like a norm you know a drama film it would be kind of harder to capture things i think yeah um so i really like that about it and yeah so I, you know it'll definitely be in the horror space i think what that will be just yet is kind of um, it's a hard time to kind of like there's a lot of decisions to be made so I'm reading lots of scripts that I've been sent but I also have my own scripts that I've been working on Um, and yeah so it's kind of just to see you know in this industry I've learned as well like you kind of you have to have several things yeah. going on at once because what like you know three of them might fall through so you kind of have to have another one exactly that, that won't <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean the horror genre is in a really interesting place right now like I think it's it's having a bit of a time in the sun and um, or yeah. maybe a time in the shadows I don't know
3: what <laughs> I prefer
1: to say but like the trend right now is I guess I I'm really into the the trend of horror th- stuff that we're seeing you know it's kind of less jump scary less gory more I guess it's more of what we used to call elevated horror but that's that seems to now be just like mainstream horror which is which is good it's it's horror that's got more got more backbone I think Mm. um yeah like what do you do you think horror is in a good place are you interested in the kind of stuff that you're seeing in cinemas right now
3: yeah I think you know we're at a a space now in the genre I think where you've seen everything and you've seen all the conventions. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I think horror audiences are very smart in that. Like, you know, a trope straight away. It's kind of funny yeah. when you watch movies, you know, you're like, Oh, they're like looking in the mirror. They're going to close the bathroom mirror and then there's going to be something behind them. So you have to do the opposite and you have to do the opposite again. <laughs> and you have to do the opposite again. Cause you have to kind of constantly be subverting the expectations of the audience in those tropes. Right. So I think it's, it's an interesting time because you kind of have to find ways to do things that will be unexpected to the audience Mm. that are watching who know the genre so well so that's kind of it can be really scary as a filmmaker but I think it's it's fun as well because you get to kind of try and figure out those what will work and but yeah I think it's, it's an interesting time as well because I think there's people making horror films from backgrounds that you might not have normally seen so you know in terms of like gender or class or race or Mm. sexuality even I think you're seeing stories told from people with like different perspectives and different experiences so I think that's really exciting to me that like you know like a film like His House which was about um like a haunted house movie about refugees who move into accommodation in the UK and I think
1: yeah
3: you know that was like something that it really it was like I've not seen this story before and that's exciting to me as a horror fan you know, I've yeah. seen many middle class white families move into a haunted house <laughs> in like many films. But I think, you know, just seeing things that are different is like really exciting. And like just stories that, you know, because it's coming from a different place, they just feel fresh.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Um, good reference for his house. That's a that's a really exciting film that I, it's right at the top of my watch list. So,
3: yes, yeah, it's it's, cool. a, it's a good one. Yeah, it's really good
1: cool 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 well kate thank you so much for your time and best of luck with the release of you are not my mother um and we look forward to we look forward to catching you again for your next one
3: awesome thank you so much yeah it was lovely to chat to you and thanks for having me
1: yeah no problem thanks for thanks for coming on cheers thanks man.
0: And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.